Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Revelation 21, 2 Peter 3, and Isaiah 65. And we need to read Isaiah 65, um, beginning with verse 17, anyway, through, uh, through verse, uh, through verse 20. Because of what we'll have to, uh, what we'll be studying. For behold, and here's uh, the word that uh, causes, that gives the grounds for some of the things I've already stated. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days, for the child shall die a hundred years old. But the sinner, being a hundred years old, shall be accursed. Now this passage gives several, presents several ideas, thoughts, questions that have been ballooned into great problems in, in prophecy. And because 20, people have the idea that uh, Revelation 21-1 and the entire chapter, and the entire chapter, verse uh, chapter twenty-two, that is down through the fifth verse, because that's the only that's the end of the prophetic section of Revelation. That both chapters deal with the millennium, and not with the eternal age. Now, if this deals with the millennium, and they say it does, and they say for this reason, because here you have. You have uh, death spoken of in this passage. Uh, even though a child shall die a hundred years old, you still have death, don't you see? And for that reason, many can, uh, uh, cannot reconcile uh, the teaching of no more death, and yet death in the new heavens and the new earth in which he creates. Uh, because uh, the last enemy that is to be destroyed according to the teaching of the Bible is death, you see. Alright. Uh, now, chapter 66, verse 22 is another uh, a verse that you need to uh, be familiar with. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me 
saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. Now, how long will the new earth and the new heavens continue? There are those who teach that, uh, uh, that after the millennial reign, people will be carried back to heaven. This passage says, The new heavens which I make shall remain before me, saith the Lord. Shall your seed and your name remain. If you consult commentaries, you'll usually find, if you find a man that has written on the entire Bible, uh, you'll find him advocating one thing in one at one position and another at another. In Gill's commentary, you'll find him taking two different positions concerning this. But then, in his body of divinity, you'll find him correcting his earlier, what he calls his earlier mistakes, his earlier misunderstandings. And he, his final conclusion, his last conclusion was that the new heavens and the new earth would abide forever and that God would come down out of heaven to this earth and tabernacle on the new earth forever and ever. But he would not deny or advocate that uh, the dwellers of that, uh, that uh, we would be necessarily confined to this earth but would have access to the heaven of heavens, the third heaven, so to speak. Now, uh, of course, there's nothing uh, the Bible uh, uh, teaches, uh, doesn't uh, give any warrant for e- either understanding, you see, I mean, about the passage. Uh, personally, my, my, my understanding of the scripture is that, uh, that this earth, the new earth, the new heaven, is eternity. It's the eternal abode of God. Uh, God, uh, certainly, the heaven hadn't been wiped out, but that's uh, 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 that's the prerogative of God the Father, of the deity, of the trinity, the angelic host. The Bible certainly teaches if it teaches that man at all, the soul or spirit of man, ever goes to heaven, the third heaven, the abode of God, it is during that period of the intermediate state. And that, and that teaching, uh, to teach that, and you ask me to give me the scripture, I have none. It's only an inference. You have no stronger proof to believe that the spirits of the just enter the abode of heaven, the throne of God, than you do to believe that uh, the uh, church will be raptured seven years before the revelation. That's an inference also. But Positively, from the time of the resurrection, you cannot get the soul of man or the spirit of man or the man, the spirit and his body, because after the resurrection, they are united. 
They return. They uh, are again a living being, a human being. And, uh, and from the time of the resurrection, Revelation gives you more information concerning it than any other one, uh, than any other source, a scriptural source. So we, we've had the resurrection, we've had the rain, now then we have the new heavens and the new earth, and you have the new Jerusalem, the new heaven and the new earth, and in verse 2, you're going to uh, find that God comes down and tabernacles with men. But before we get to that, let's, uh, let's study this question, uh, this idea. In the destruction of the new, he- uh, of this old earth, for this old earth is going to melt with fervent heat. It's going to pass away. Well, will it be annihilated? Or will it just be purged? Will it be renovated? Will it be made new? Does it cease to be substance? Is the change according to uh, uh, the uh, uh, the conditions, or is it does it pass away according to form, figure, or does it pass away according to its being? In other words, annihilation. I don't think that this earth is going to be annihilated. I don't think that this atmospheric heaven is going to uh, pass out of uh, out of existence. It's going to burn, but but when you burn a thing, you got smoke, can you? Well, smoke is something. When you got this earth, it's going to melt with fervent heat. You got a candle, you burn a candle, you melt it, and and you heat things, and it disappears. You you can heat water, and it'll disappear as to its substance. Uh, as to its form before you, but it evaporates. It goes back into the air. The air is something. So, uh, uh, the, the whole intent, as I understand these expressions, because certainly they are, uh, in a, in a, in a manner, figured, uh, a figure of speech, and yet they present a reality. Now the idea of something passing away, that very form. Well, you say, uh, well, so-and-so passed yesterday or today, or your grandmother, you see, passed on. Well, what do you mean? That's a figure of speech. You mean that she died, see? All right, uh, we speak of the, of the law, the Bible does, speaks of the uh, of the uh, law of Moses having been disannulled. See? It speaks of the uh, passing away of the rudiments, the elements, the elementary, the first principles of Judaism, Christianity. It, it, it speaks of uh, of, of a rending of the veil and of the uh, ordinances ceasing and passing away, meaning that they have ceased to be effective. But you're not talking about whether it's annihilated or not. That's not the thought. 
It's the idea that they're no longer in use. They're no longer serviceable. Uh, like the, uh, the law of Moses nailed to the cross, so to speak. Handwriting as ordinances. See, it was against us. Well, these things. Well, you have the passing away. But now, it's never referred to as melting, burning, consuming. See, now that's the idea of this earth. Uh, so it, it, it's going to be completely changed. That's the idea. In other words, how sin has affected it, and uh, and at the end, before I forget it, you'll remind me, I, I want to make a contrast. I want to point out uh, some seven, eight uh, 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 similarities of Genesis, first two chapters of Genesis with the last two chapters of Revelation. Because, you know, in the first two, there's no devil. In the last two, there's no devil. So, uh, uh, there's some interesting preaching uh, in uh, by comparing Genesis 1 and 2 with Revelation 21 and Revelation 22. But now, uh, about will the earth be annihilated? The same scriptures and the scriptures that I have referred to are given as proof both for those who say it will be annihilated and for those who say it will be renovated or purged are purified, see, are made new, are remade. Now, <clears throat> there's uh, different words for create, there's different words for new in the Bible. There's new in the sense of, uh, well, you rework something and it's new, you see. There's something new as to its, uh, its being. So-and-so made something new. Well, he didn't make it out of nothing, but he's got uh, something new, it's Something never been fashioned upon, you see. So there's uh, like a new garment, there's a new idea, or new house, or and so. But now here is something that has been in existence, and God says that He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Well, uh, to what is the extent? What is the scope? of the earth's destruction. Uh, with reference to the heavens and the earth pass away. What heavens? What? How far does it extend? Now your flood, I pointed out that the flood extended 15 cubits above the highest hill. Well now that's water. Water level. 15 cubits. 21, at least 21, so I know how you what length you make a cubit, whether 18, 20, 21, or 22 inches, you'll have some 22 feet high above any earthly mountain upon this earth. All right? The destruction of the earth, of the heavens by, uh, at, at, at its destruction, as I understand the scriptures, will affect all the fowls of the air, the atmospheric heavens. Will not go beyond space or involve space. Why? Because there's uh, the uh, the purpose for which the first earth 
was uh, was uh, destroyed by the flood was to destroy the, the everything living. See, man, beast, and the fowls of the air. All right, that's the same purpose. I understand the the uh, the destruction of the of this earth, present earth, which is the same yet changed because of the conditions of the flood. It made a great change in the earth, yet still the same earth. It's not going to affect the heaven to which Paul was called up to. Nor paradise into which Paul proceeded. Now he didn't go into heaven. He called up to heaven. But he did go into paradise in his, in his vision. In spirit. In revelation. In vision. Just as John was called up to heaven in, in vision. Alright? I believe that will include everything upon this earth that the judgment will affect because it says that the, the uh, that it's going to burn, it's going to melt with fervent heat. It's going to be dissolved. That's the biblical words. Uh, and be consumed. Now, I, I, I believe the water, you see this, passage says, and the, the last clause of verse 1 says, and there was no more sea. Well, <clears throat> uh, the earth today is, what is it? They say around two-thirds water in it. All right, that water's, uh, that water's gonna, it's gonna take a pretty good fire to, uh, to evaporate that water. And that brings me to the, uh, uh, to the next thought. And that is, what kind of fire is going to destroy this earth and heaven? And I can give you some five clear, interesting examples. I mean preaching examples, preaching material. The first one is a case found in the 19th chapter of Genesis. Two angels appeared in the streets, knocked on a man's door. And Mr. Lot invited them in, cooked some unleavened bread, made a feast, fed them. And by the time they had eaten their meal, his door was being hammered down by homosexuals who demanded that Lot turn these men, the angels, over to them. And Lot went out the door, one foot in, one foot out. And he said, my brethren, don't do so wickedly. I have two daughters that's never known man. You take them and do whatever you want to do with them. But don't bother these men, these angels. And they clamored the more. They wanted the men. They didn't want his daughters. 
But the angels came and told Lot, said, Lot, we've been sent by God to destroy this city. Oh, Lot, not this city. Lot liked that city. He didn't want to see the Sodom destroyed. But he told him it was going to be destroyed. He said, how many relatives you got? Oh, just a wife, two daughters here, uh, 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 two sons-in-laws. Well, go tell them. He went and told his sons-in-law, and they laughed at him. They mocked him. They didn't believe him. And the angel said, all right, you better get your wife and get her out. He wouldn't do it. A lot wouldn't leave. So the angels bodily, personally, forcibly took hold of Lot and his family and drew them out of the city of Sodom. Well, Lot got outside the city and he said, God's been merciful to me. And the angel says, you go up to the mountain. Where be safe? And Lot said, No, I don't want to go to the mountain. I don't like the mountain. I get I get sick when I get that high. I want to go down here to the city of Zoar. Little community. But it's a city. I don't want to go out there on the mountain, nobody there. He was a city man. See, Lot had made his decision long before when Abraham gave him his choice, you know, of the plains, and that's what he took. Well he went. He got to Zoar. And and just as he got inside the city next morning, while well, the, the scripture says that the sun was shining as clear as day, it was a sunshiny day, not a cloud in the sky in the sky. And then what happened? God the next verse says, and God rained fire. From heaven, brimstone upon the city of Sodom. Now that fire came from heaven. That fire was the fire of God. And brother, that kind of fire can destroy water, rock, air, atmosphere, elements of the earth, heaven, anything. Alright, I, I, I cite you another illustration. Uh, you'll find it in uh, Leviticus, um, chapter, what is it, chapter 10? I believe, I believe it's chapter 10. Um, the, the, there was a priest. In fact, the first priest that the Jews ever had had two boys. That, uh, they, they didn't, uh, they, they, they weren't, they weren't very priestly, at least. They didn't live very godly. They were kind of like Solomon. I mean, like, uh, Lot in Sodom. Their names were Nadab and Abihu. And, uh, and the scriptures tells us that fire Leviticus 10, verse 2, tells us, And there went out fire from the Lord 
and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then in the 16th chapter of Numbers, there were two men who were captains. That means that they were well thought of. They were leaders. Uh, no, in the 16th chapter of Genesis, let's see. Um, uh, no, in the 16th chapter of Genesis, it is the son, that, yeah, it's two, there was 250 princes uh, that uh, sided with Korah, uh, Dathan, and Abiram. Now, uh, Korah, uh, Datham, and, and Abiram uh, wanted to officiate as a priest without uh, going, without being called to the priesthood. They, they had no, uh, but they wanted, they said, why, anybody can serve as a priest. Anybody can do what you're doing, Moses. Anybody can do what Aaron's done. He says, y'all got too much work to do anyway. And uh, he said, we want to make it, make it easy. Now, what they were doing, they were tearing down the wall, the separation, the distinction that God had made when he selected, when he chose uh, Aaron for the priesthood. In other words, today, it's the, the same, the, the quality of the sin would be saying there's no distinction between minister and layman. Now, that doesn't mean that you're to exalt one or the other or, de- or uh, degrade uh, the one or the other or, uh, or elevate the other. But it simply means that God has chosen, God has made determinations himself for his own purpose, his own glory, uh, and has selected and, and ordained the offices which men hold, whether it's in Judaism or whether it's under in Christianity today, as uh, the distinction between elders and deacons, uh, see, evangelists, other certain gifts, apostles, evangelists, and so on. All right? All were not so called. But here were 250 princes of Israel. Now, they weren't rabble-rousers. They weren't men who uh, always caused a lot of trouble. The Scripture says... Uh, that they were famous in the congregation, men of renown, and they gathered themselves together. But they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. That's what they were doing. They thought they were helping Moses out. But again, Korah and uh, and Datham and Abiram, Moses told them, he said, now look, we're going to have this thing out. We're going to settle this before the congregation once and for all. If God has chosen you, you'll die an ordinary death. You'll live out your normal span. But if God creates, does a new thing among the children of Israel, then God will be saying that he has not chosen you, but he has chosen me. He's chosen Aaron for the work we're done. The day came for the test. And Moses sent word to Korah and, uh, and Abiram and Dathan. 
And they said, no, no, we're not going to come out of our tent. They suspected that they was uh, getting trouble. But they done been the ringleaders. They done caused the trouble. So Moses said, you come out of your tents. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.